0: Welcome to Alpha Ministries Podcast. Alpha Ministries is a recovery church whose mission is to teach individuals and institutions to recognize and apply the gospel of grace, building stronger families and communities. Today's podcast is sponsored by TGB Web Media, a top-rated New Jersey SEO marketing and WordPress web design company for businesses, churches, and nonprofits. Their contact information is in the show notes. Thank you, Dave Butler and TGV Web Media for your sponsorship. Today's podcast is part five of the Walking Backward series John is teaching Sunday mornings at Church in the Woods. John focuses on the lies attached to human suffering and how the grace of God meets our needs in the midst of our suffering. Without further delay, here's John. Most people want to do
1: everything they can to avoid all suffering. Would you all agree with that? Hmm? Mm-hmm. I don't know anybody in their right mind. Well, well, put it that way, I don't know anybody in the right mind. I don't know anybody in their right mind that looks forward to suffering. Okay, that that just doesn't happen. And you add to that the conditioning that we were born into. That conditioning we talked a lot about the last couple weeks of law and lies. That conditioning that we've all had from the time we were born into this world even up to, to now. That conditioning makes all of us, in a sense, little Pharisees. Did you know that? Did you ever think of yourself as a little Pharisee? Hmm? Yeah, you are. You were born that way. So what Jesus had to say to the Pharisees in that scathing rebuke in Matthew 23 unfortunately applies to our old lifestyle and our flesh as well. He said there are three qualities of a Pharisee that we need to watch out for. The first, he said, is that they say and do not. They're going to tell you something, especially how to live, what you ought to do according to their knowledge of right and wrong. Now, how many of you know the Pharisees had a a full knowledge of right and wrong, right? They knew the law, which tells us the knowledge of right and wrong. The Pharisees knew that. And according to their knowledge of what's right and wrong, They're gonna tell you various things of what you ought to do or what you ought not to do, but here's the problem. Even though they tell you what you ought to do, they don't do it. Even though they tell you what you ought to quit doing, they're still doing it. They say and do not. They can talk the talk, but they can't walk the walk. And unfortunately, that describes a lot of Christians today because they're still operating under a wrong lifestyle. They're operating under that natural lifestyle of law, of lies, rules, and regulations of what's right and what's wrong, rather than the new lifestyle of grace and truth according to the personal leadership of the Spirit. Jesus also said concerning the Pharisees that they bind up grievous burdens I mean, heavy loads, hard to carry, and they put them on other people. The grievous burdens that they add to people are nothing more than the expectations of perfection. See, we naturally, in our minds, expect other people to be like God. Did you know that? Yeah. To never do anything to hurt you. To always do everything necessary to make you feel good. And when they don't meet those expectations, that really irritates us. Man. The Pharisees were good at that. They were good at laying expectations out on other people. But they would not help them meet those expectations at all. They couldn't. And the last characteristic Jesus mentioned about the Pharisees was the fact that everything they do, everything they say is motivated by one thing. That's to be seen of men. What they were after Is the approval and the appreciation from other people constantly. That's what motivated them. Now, how many of you know that little children, especially, and God makes them cute so it doesn't look so nasty, but the little bitty guys, have you ever noticed what they're craving more than anything? They want attention. Did you know that? Yeah. And they'll do anything, virtually anything, to get your attention and your approval. Now, sometimes I play a game with little guys. Like if I'm out in a restaurant or something, and I see a little guy over there acting up, I'll do my best to make eye contact with them. You know that? Yeah. Especially the real fussy ones. I'll do my best to make eye contact. You know why? Eye contact is the primary way infants receive love. Did you know that? Why? Because somebody's paying attention to them. Right? I'll make eye contact with them. And it's funny to see the changes when that happens we're born craving attention. We want the approval of other people around us. And we'll do anything and say anything to gain that approval. Typical of the Pharisees. Everything they did, they did as a performance to gain the approval of others. Now, what he's describing here is just the natural... Conditioning of all people. It wasn't just the Pharisees. They carried it out in an obvious way in an extreme. But of all people. That's human nature, if you will. What the Bible calls the flesh. And when you use the flesh, your natural conditioning, to face trouble, suffering, tribulation, all that sort of thing. You're not walking in grace and truth. You slip back under law and lies and experience the consequence of a personal, social, relational death. It causes you more problems. And so what, do I, want, what I want to look at today is What does the lifestyle of grace and truth, this new miraculous lifestyle we're trying to describe, that I simply call walking backwards in the book, what do we expect out of that with regards to our suffering? We cannot approach it from that lifestyle of law and laws, for this simple reason. When we're living under that kind of lifestyle, we make a deal with God. Did you know that? You know, it may be outward. It may be a written contract. It may be a stated deal. Most of the time, it's not. Most of the time, it's just in our own minds and hearts. And here's what the deal sounds like. God, I'm going to do my best to be a good Christian. Whatever you think that means. God, I'm going to read my Bible even though I don't understand it. I'm going to go to church even though I really don't like those people. I'm going to do wonderful good works even though it's a real pain in my butt and nobody appreciates it. But I'm going to do these things, God. I'm going to do them and you Don't let anything bad happen to me or the people I love. Okay? You ever make that deal with God? It's a lot like the foxhole deals that are made, you know, in the time of war. God, if you get me out of this, I'll do anything. But we make that deal because of our conditioning. We make that deal with God because we've been raised up under a lifestyle of rules and regulations, right and wrong, a lifestyle of law and deception. So it's natural. The only problem with making that deal with God is He doesn't make it with us. That's a real problem, isn't it? Yeah, we we can make a deal with God, but sooner or later you're going to discover that even though you have done everything you can think of that's right, you still have something bad happen to you. Even something tragic. And you say, what's up with this? God, I've been serving you. I've been doing what's right. I've been trying as hard as I can to be a good Christian. Didn't you see that? Why did you let this thing happen to me? The more tragic, the more intense the response. That's kind of the natural, normal way to deal with suffering under the old lifestyle. But because we have a new identity in Christ, because of what we've studied so far, God has made you a brand new person that's not under the law, but under grace, there's a completely different supernatural lifestyle approach to suffering. And that's what we're going to look at today. What does God's grace do for us in times of suffering. There's so many passages in the New Testament that describe this. I could pick a number of them and I'll allude to some of them as we go. But I want to zero in on one passage found in Romans chapter 5, the first several verses of this chapter, that have specifically or its specific relevance to our suffering or tribulation, as he calls it here. Let me just read the verses to you and then we'll talk about them. Therefore, he says, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that that tribulation works patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit which is given unto us. Now this is kinda strange here this description of how we're facing suffering under grace but I think it's important for us to understand the basics here because let's get real about it we are going to suffer Now I know there's a lot of religious folks out there that would feed you the idea that if you do this or if you do that, you won't have to suffer. But you will. That's a given. How do I know that? Well, right here in Romans, later in chapter 8, Paul tells us why. Why? we all face suffering. Why do we have bad things happen in this world? Why bad things happen to us? Now, it's assumed in the religious mentality under a system of law and lies that the reason it happens to you is because of your own personal transgression. You screwed up, so God's getting you. That's the, that's the mentality. That's the idea. Oh, you blew it. You didn't do what was expected. And so God's getting you. Or you did something that's off the charts. You went beyond. God's going to get you for that. And that's why you're suffering. That was kind of the philosophy of Job's comforters, Remember? Job, the guy who suffered immeasurably. and his buddies came and tried to comfort him and basically they kept saying, Job, man, you must have screwed up really bad because this stuff doesn't happen unless you screw up really bad. So go ahead, Job. Tell us what you did. Job said, I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. I'm just... Living my life, and boom, everything fell apart. I didn't do anything to make it happen. And they railed on him that entire book, Job. It's actually a play, the first book in the Bible. You see, the religious mindset looks at bad stuff happening as being a consequence of personal sin. Remember when Jesus and his disciples were walking in the temple courtyard and they saw this guy that was blind? And his disciples asked him quickly, Master, who sinned? This man who is blind or his parents because he was born blind? See, there's no option in their mind. If something bad happened, somebody sinned. If something bad happened, it was somebody's fault that screwed up and God was getting them. Jesus went on to reply to them kind of in an unusual way. I'm not sure they understood it any more than we do. But he went on to say, neither this man nor his parents, but that the glory of God can be displayed. And he went on to heal the man. What's he talking about? He's talking about the fact that it is not personal sin that causes your suffering. Paul elaborates on that again in Romans chapter 8 when he said, Let me tell you why you're suffering. Why you all will have to suffer. First and foremost, you live in a sin cursed world what does that mean that means when Adam sinned in the garden the earth and the world came under the curse of God everything was easy before now it's tough and you're living in that kind of world now let me give you the scientific name for that it's called the second law of thermodynamics you can jot that down and yeah. quote that sometime. People think you're smart. Okay. The second law of thermodynamics simply says that matter goes from an orderly to a disorderly state continuously, which is scientific language for things are continually growing old and falling apart. And that's why you suffer. Yeah, you take that brand new appliance, or a brand new car, or in our case, a brand new soundboard, right? Brand new. And it quit working. It fell apart. Second law of thermodynamics. Well, why did that do that? Oh, well, I know why it fell apart. It was David's fault. He sinned, right? (laughs) It fell apart because we live in a sin-cursed world that's falling apart at the seams. And he goes on there in Romans 8 to tell us, listen, there's no place you can go to get away from this, okay? Geographical cures will not help. You can't move to someplace else and not have any bad stuff happening. It's going to happen wherever you are because the whole creation, he says, groans and travails together until now in pain. You're going to suffer because you live in this world. No getting around it. The religious folks notwithstanding, there isn't some kind of religious ritual or religious performance you're going to do to get you out of that suffering. Mm Mm-mm doesn't work that way because you're living in a world filled with it. In addition, he goes on to say, there's another big reason you're going to suffer, and that is because you, even though God has created you a brand new person, even though, as we studied last week, He has made you alive, quickened you together with Christ Jesus in His resurrection, Even though you are this brand new person, you're still living in the same old body you were born with. And that old body that you were born with, that physical body the Bible calls your temple, that physical body that you are living in is continuously growing old. Have you noticed that? Now when I was a young, young guy, I thought I never would grow old, right? You can't wait till you're 16 so you can drive. And I couldn't wait till I was 18 so I could drink three, two beer. Oh, I can't wait till I'm 21, then I can vote, right? But as you grow older, you can grow up and keep growing older. You realize this body is falling apart. There are things going wrong with it all the time diseases, injuries, all kinds of stuff. Does that mean that you have somehow sinned? We say, yeah, if I, and I've said this myself, if I knew it was going to be like this years ago, I might have been a little more careful with it. Okay? Probably not. Anyhow, this body is growing old and falling apart, and that hurts. That causes a lot of our suffering in this world. Now you add to that the fact that you're living with someone whose body is growing old and falling apart. Okay. That means you're gonna suffer with them. Right? So, it's guaranteed, folks. That's what I want you to see. It is absolutely guaranteed that you are going to have to face suffering. Now, you've got your choice in this. Okay, and this is the good news. You've got your choice. You can either face it under your natural conditioning of a lifestyle of law, rules and regulations, or you can face it in the supernatural lifestyle of grace and truth. That's your choice. Okay, and I want you, from this passage here this morning, I want you to see how you make that choice. Okay? So you can quit responding to suffering out of the natural lifestyle of law and begin to respond to suffering out of a lifestyle of grace. So let's go back to our text here for a moment. He says, therefore. Now the reason that therefore is there, remember, whenever you see a therefore in the Bible, you stop and ask, what's that therefore, therefore? The reason that therefore is there is because he's summarizing everything he said previously. And what he said previously was all about Father Abraham, the friend of God who continued to believe God, who exercised his faith in God's promise. And because of that, his faith was counted to him, imputed to him by God as righteousness. God made him absolutely righteous because he believed. Well, that's happened to you. Did you know that? Yeah? When you exercised your faith in God's promise in His Son, Jesus Christ, you were made a brand new person that is absolutely righteous. That's true. And you have peace with God. Now, when that happened, in your experience, absolutely nothing happened to your body. Did you know that? It's the same old body it was before. And that mortal body it's referred to, that sin-cursed mortal body, has all that conditioning that you've experienced all your life under law and lies, still stored within it. Scientists, suggests that our memory is in literally every cell of your body. Every cell of your body contributes to your memory. This physical body that we inhabit now still has all that conditioning, still has all those coping strategies in place. That's what's natural to us, not the supernatural lifestyle. So again, how are we going to switch out of that? Well, he goes right on to tell us. He says, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. Let that sink in for a minute. How do you get into a lifestyle of grace and truth? And out of this old lifestyle of law and lies, how do we get into that? We have access into this grace by faith. It is your faith that puts you in this new lifestyle of grace and truth. Faith and what? You've already believed that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. That's cool. That made you a brand new person. Now what are we to believe in? See, I had that trouble early on. I thought, man, I can't, you know, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. But I got all this bad stuff happening. Now what do I believe, right? I can't just believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. That did not do any good. Now what do I believe? You see, there's a whole, thing, whole list of things for us to believe about ourselves that we believe to gain access into grace. And that's what we're talking about now. How, how do we do that? Listen to what he says. By whom also. That's Jesus. Okay, it was the sacrifice of Christ that got us into peace with God. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. And, I'm going to add this to it too, rejoice in hope of the glory of God. What does he mean rejoice in hope of the glory of God? We know that no matter what we're facing in this life, This is not the end. Okay? I like that old saying that it's going to be good in the end. And if it's not good, it ain't the end. See, that's the kind of way we look at suffering. It's going to be good in the end. And if you're not getting anything good out of it, it ain't the end yet. There's more to it. Now, now, What specifically are we to believe in so we can enter into this grace? It's nothing different than what we've talked about before. In fact, this dovetails with the message we've all been studying. And that is, what you believe in are two things. Number one, you believe in who God said He made you to be. And number two, You believe in what you are being told by God through the Spirit to do in your situation. You believe in your identity. You believe in the personal leadership of the Spirit. Those two things are the faith you exercise whereby we gain access into this grace wherein we stand. Now, let's see how that works out. You come on to some enormous problem in your life, and, you know, what I call enormous and what you call enormous could be two different things, right? Suffering is relative. You know, It's, and I don't mean you just suffer with your relatives. I know you do that, but I'm talking about the fact that your suffering may not seem as so bad to someone else, right? But it's your suffering, so it's bad to you come caused cause some suffering here. At that moment, what are you going to believe? I've heard this of people many, many times who were facing suffering in one sort or another. I don't know what I did to cause God to do this to me. What? Where's that coming from? That's not coming from a new lifestyle of grace I don't know. That's coming from that old conditioning of the law. What did I do to deserve this? I don't need this. See, all those kind of statements, they all betray the unbelief in our identity and who God made me to be. you stop and think about it, And this applies in a lot of different ways in our lives. But just to give you an illustration of it real quick, years ago, probably 20, 30 years ago, Sandy and I were suffering uh, pretty, going through a pretty hard financial time, you know, and worried about money and all that. I was driving to pick up Angela. She was a little bitty. I was driving to pick her up school one day, and the Lord nailed me with it. He said, if you are inseparably joined to my only begotten Son, if you and Jesus are one, not only in the world to come, but right now, if you and Jesus are one, don't you think that I'm going to take care of you? just like I did Jesus? You think I'm going to let my only begotten son suffer? I'm going to take care of you. And that assurance came from the realization that I was one with Christ. And in addition to that, he said, don't you believe because you're one with my son Jesus that I will give you the power to do what i've called you to do Amen. to love other people don't you believe i'm going to give you the ability to do that so i had to come back to yeah i believe who i am and the personal leadership of the spirit telling me what to do in any given situation to enter into grace Amen. as a lifestyle requires faith so faith is not a one-shot deal. Oh, I trusted Jesus when I was a kid. <laughs> well, what about today? What about right now? Are you trusting Him and what He's done to make you a new person and what He's guaranteed to you? As Paul told the Philippians, my God shall supply all your needs. Okay, You're okay. You're going to be okay. So when we face suffering, we have a choice according to our faith. Are we going to face it under the old conditioning, law of lies, this should never happen to me, somebody screwed up, I screwed up, whatever. Or are we going to face it in grace and truth, knowing I'm a brand new person capable, as capable as Christ of dealing with this life and this world? Now, Notice how Paul works this out in these next few verses. And these these are really interesting to me because they build on each other. Here's the assurance that you have in times of suffering, but the assurance comes from personal knowledge. It comes from what you know. Okay, listen to what you know. He's going to tell you right here what you know in times of suffering. He says... And not only so, but we glory, we rejoice in tribulations also. Uh Uh-oh. You mean we don't just rejoice if we don't have tribulations? See, that's normally the way I rejoice. If, If I don't have a tribulation, I rejoice. If I have tribulation, I find it difficult to rejoice, don't you? Yeah. But here he says, and we rejoice. That's living in a grace, grace and truth lifestyle. It gives you the ability to rejoice in tribulations also. Not just in what God has done for you, but now what he's going to do through you. Knowing that tribulation works patience. How many of you want patience? People are scared to ask God for patience, aren't they? Why? Because tribulation works patience. Actually, the word patience literally means endurance. Amen. I can't tell you how many times I've been faced with certain situations that looked insurmountable, looked impossible. From the natural point of view, ain't no way I'm going to get through this. So what's the first thing that comes by assurance and the exercise of your faith and grace and truth? The first thing that comes is you can make it. You can deal with it. You're going to get through this. This isn't the end. Okay, You're going to get through this. Why? Because tribulation, the suffering, works in you endurance fact, God tells us elsewhere in 1 Corinthians ten thirteen that He will not allow any temptation, any kind of suffering and struggle to come to you that you can't endure. Did you know that? No, it's guaranteed. Whatever suffering He allows, He has already prepared a way for you to escape through His grace. So He's not leaving you floundering on your own here. Okay, He's immediately coming to you. Just like Jesus promised His disciples. He said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans walking around in this sin-cursed world falling apart. I'm going to come to you. And He does through His Spirit. And He produces through His Spirit that endurance we need to make it through. But that's just the beginning. There's something else we know for sure when we suffer, when we suffer in grace, and that is that patience, that endurance, produces in us experience. Well, When you first read that, you say, well, I'm not sure I want that kind of experience. (laughs) I'd rather not have that kind of experience. No, no. The word experience used here in this context literally means having been tried, tested, and found, approved. It is the ultimate approval, approval of God. See that in that. Patience or endurance will produce in you something else. You know, and that is, you are approved of God. This whole religious idea of "Oh, God's trying to get me" is gone. Forever. What's replacing it is, no, no, you are approved of God already. Why? Because God made you a brand new person. That's why. The suffering has nothing to do with your identity. It doesn't change your identity at all and who God made you to be. But not only that, that experience of having been tested, having been tried and found to prove, also produces something else very, very important. And that's hope. Now, we've talked about hope before and there's several different different context. So let me just remind you of an important uh, point or two about hope. Hope is what keeps you keeping on. Hope is what gives you the strength to carry on. Hope is that miraculous way that despite all evidence to the contrary, you believe who you are, and despite all the obstacles, you move forward. That's hope. Where does hope come from? It comes from the exercise of your faith. As Paul prayed for in Romans, Romans chapter, I think it's chapter 15, verse 13, he said, Now the God of all hope grant you peace and joy in believing through the power of the Holy Spirit. So when you exercise faith to get into this access, into this grace wherein you stand, you also are producing the hope you need to continue. So when you're facing a trial there, that experience, your approval, naturally leads to, I'm going to be okay. As bad as it seems, as tragic as this may be, I'm still going to be okay. Because it's not the end yet. See, that's hope. And hope, he goes on to say, will never let you down. That's what he means by, the King James means by, doesn't make you ashamed. Hope will never let you down. Why? Because the love of God, His love for you, will be supernaturally overflowing from the inside out. You'd be amazed at what you're capable of doing in the middle of those trials. I remember experiencing that one night, and I'm not trying to brag about this, but I went to the emergency room after working one day. I had an accident with the horse and really hurt my ribs. Finished the day working, but I couldn't unsaddle my horse. By then, I was getting too stiff, so I went to the ER, waiting to have x-rays taken to see a doctor to try to figure out why I was having trouble breathing and why it hurts that. And while I was there, one of my students, in an alpha class, was also there in the ER. And he had his boy there who had cut himself and was about to have stitches. And the little guy was trying to be brave, you know, but he was struggling with it. And so this student of mine asked me while we were waiting if I would mind going over and praying for his boy. Now I was having a heck of a time breathing, much less praying. But what the Lord did for me at that moment was give me hope. So you're going to be all right. Don't worry about it. You're going to be fine. Get your butt up and go pray for that kid. All right. And I did. But see, it's, it's that hope that you have that knowledge knowing this that the love of God is overflowing your life see everything that happens to you everything that goes on suffering included is a consequence of God's love for you and how he is fighting the evil in this world so that you can't possibly lose. Now that's a radically different way of facing trials than the normal conditioning we've had all our lives under the law, under a system of rules and regulations. Trying to figure out what's right and wrong so we can do what's right and not suffer. Doesn't work, folks. Doesn't work. Because even if you knew what's right, then just think about this and I'm going to close. Think about it this way. Did anybody in this world that you can think of have more knowledge of what was right and wrong than Jesus? He knew it all. Did anybody in this world do more right and not do wrong than Jesus? Jesus? Yet Jesus suffered immensely in this world. More so than any other human being. See, whether you suffer or not doesn't have anything to do with whether you know what's right and wrong and do what's right and not do what's wrong. Mm -hmm. It has everything to do with God's plan for your life and how He intends to use you to love other people. Everything. Likewise, the other person I I think of all the time is the Apostle Paul. I mean, he's a converted Pharisee, so you talk about somebody who knew right and wrong. You talk about somebody with willpower, and yet when you read the record of his life in the New Testament, it's astounding the things he suffered the kingdom's sake. Why did he do that? Because God had a plan to use him in a miraculous and mighty way. You see, bottom line is that God takes all our suffering, all our garbage, and he grows roses out of it. He makes it worth it we'll talk more about that a little later on but for right now i want to leave you with this idea rather than to face your suffering according to your natural coping strategies under the law and knowledge of good and evil change your thinking that's called repentance by the way in the bible 180 degree change in your thinking to focus On facing those trials. Under grace. Just like Jesus did. Just like Paul did. Facing those trials. Under grace. (laughs) With the supernatural comfort. Of the spirit. That God has given you. Let's pray together. Father God. I thank you and praise you. For all that you've done for us. And your son Jesus. And I ask you Lord to. Continue to teach us now as we go our separate ways. We ask for your grace and mercy to be upon each one here. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
0: Thank you again for listening. If you want more access to Alpha Ministries teaching, you can like us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and visit our website. All times and dates for services and other events are on our website listed in the show notes.